सो नाइस टू नो We are old friends. We've grown up together, gone through school books and college flings together, and more recently, in tribute to Simon and Garfunkel, even sat on a park bench like bookends. He'd fought kids who picked on me, and soon everyone knew that messing with me would incur his wrath. No one understood why, least of all I, for I had nothing to give in return. Oh, I had my areas of strength. but he didn't need my help there he was quite able to fend for himself of course the obvious conclusions had been drawn murmured and even broadly flung at us but our equally obvious teenage decadent and dissolute lifestyle put paid to those without our having to say a word in our defense in the eyes of the world he was the star and i was his shadow but it was never that way with us in our 40s now i'm still here in the same city the same street the same house and he's made it bigger than big dines with princes owns fleets of fancy cars and private planes has homes in every corner of the world yet between the two of us we are always just riju and madan He's made two stabs at marriage and both have ended disastrously. And while I never found a wavelength with either of his wives, he's fully a member of my family. He treats Geeta like a younger sister, and with the kids, he's the favorite uncle, roughhousing with them, patiently listening to their anti-parent rants, steering them through college applications, and providing advice or guidance if asked. He fits into our rambling old home seamlessly, never indicating how different it is from his own everyday life of maids and butlers and assistants. Of course, we've holidayed with Madan, especially when the kids were younger and an endless supply of coke and chips was their version of nirvana. But more commonly, he comes to us. Randomly through the years and unfailingly checking with Geeta first. He drops in for a weekend. He always receives a hero's welcome with robust hugs from the boys and Geeta and face washes from the dogs. He's the local boy made good and a legend in the town where everybody knows him since he was in short pants. His choice of me, not just as friend but as lifelong friend, perplexes most people. Distasteful comments have been directed at me and I shrug them off in public. though they have led me to private doubts and self-questionings regrettably geeta and the boys have been targeted too geeta has had the most scurrilous remarks hissed at her the boys have fought umpteen fist fights defending his honor ultimately we decided that silence was our most honorable recourse whenever he comes the day belongs to the family chatting playing watching tv doing odd jobs lazing but evenings are for the two of us we go to a restaurant watch a local footy game or join other silent motionless anglers for a round of night fishing 
or we stay home, lying on the terrace, looking out at the stars. Sometimes we are silent, each deep in his own thoughts. But most often, we talk. A lot. And about everything. Work, worries, joys, the failure of his marriages and how I keep mine stable, politics, sports and taxes, the boys, the increase of violence and intolerance in the world, gadgets and gizmos, books and movies, going to the moon or to Mars, anything that comes up, anything at all. Our conversations have a staccato rhythm, stopping abruptly at the end of each visit and starting again the next time, but retaining an unbroken melody. We have talked, laughed, fought, consulted and supported our way through the years. Our lives have taken such different turns that we disagree on many issues. But neither that, nor the contrast between the flamboyant flash of his lifestyle and the steady sameness of mine, have impacted the constancy of our friendship. With all his natural talents, his acquired strengths, his fame and his riches on his side, and nothing discernible on mine, our relationship is remarkably even. Of the wealth of money, favour, influence he has, he never offers me a jot. Knowing I would not want it, would never accept it, and that the very offer would change our relationship irrevocably. His biggest gift to me is, of course, his time. I have no idea what gift I give him in return. But long ago I'd realized that whatever it was, it must be similarly valuable to him. For golden boy that he's always been and I'll never be, his friendship has been unwavering. And the one incontrovertible fact in the decades of our adult lives when the disparity of our circumstances has but grown and grown is that it's he who seeks my company not I who presume on his. Keita waved us off at the front door that evening with joking warnings to us old codgers not to be up to too much malaki. The boys added their protests that they were so embarrassed by our elderly shenanigans that they'd just stay home and hide their faces. Madan warned them he wasn't quite in his dotage yet. He still had all the muscles in his spanking arm, he threatened. The Eastern Eatery was abuzz with the usual weekend custom. We picked up our drinks at the bar and headed for a booth. It was commonly believed that I jealously guarded his attention exclusively for myself. Certainly no one parked the responsibility at his door where it rightly belonged, for he was as charming as ever to all who stopped by. Still, over the years, folks had become more and more likely to give us our space and leave us alone. The evening passed steadily with food, drink and endless talk. We were still in the thick of it when a group of youngsters swaggered up to our booth. I recognised them as the latest local gang of minor thugs. They bowed dramatically in an obviously pre-planned gesture. Divine grace and blessings, Shahenshah. And blessings on you too, Sarji, he responded good-naturedly. Heads were already turning 
and the attention unfortunately encouraged the youngsters. One of the gang curled his lip into a nasty sneer and growled something indecipherable. Another rumbled something about slumming with the locals, Sahibji. But why do you spend your favours only on this unworthy scoundrel? The play had been rehearsed, it seemed, and every man had a part. What has this miserable fellow done to earn Sahib's blessings? Your kindness and riches are wasted on him. Are boss, the town is full of nobler men than this useless fellow. Yeah, yeah, show us the money and we can show you a much better time, can't we guys? I taught myself to shrug off most attacks. And this one, though addressed to Madan, actually targeted me. Still, it marked a new high in the level of naked jealousy and vituperation. An angry murmur was rising in the restaurant. The unexpected virulence of the attack had driven from my mind the fact that, to Madan, all this was new. People usually behaved decently during his visits and the smarmy little asides were directed only at me and my family, which we rigorously kept from him. Madan, who'd been silent this whole time, came slowly and menacingly to his feet. I tried to reach out and calm him, but I was blocked by the snickering, shambling members of the gang. And in any case, it was instantly evident that that ship had sailed. This was the first time I truly understood the phrase, the grapes of wrath. The purple stain of throttled fury spread over his face and neck and into the open collar of his shirt. The very hair on his head bristled like the angry ruff of an enraged bear. And towering in height and muscular in build, he was no less terrifying than a wild beast. The bravado ebbed visibly in the idiot boys and they were rapidly reduced to a blubbering, quivering mass of jelly. Madan's words cracked like lightning in the electric atmosphere. You bloody, foolish, misguided morons! My favours and my blessings! If it weren't for the light Riju shines on my life, there would be none of the riches you so evidently cannot see beyond, and its moot there would even... He broke off here, sending me a burning glance, the meaning of which I was too dazed to figure. As to nobler men, he continued, visibly calmer and back in control, I haven't come across one yet. Riju's a bigger man than I'll ever be, or you can even hope to understand. So crawl back into your black hole and that will be quite the best time you can show me. Now beat it! They stayed frozen and immobile. Having silenced them, the crowd in the restaurant, and truth be told, me, he dismissed the gaggle with a peremptory wave of his hand. Through the smattering of applause, he gestured me back to our seats and raised his glass in toast to me. We sipped our drinks with studied insouciance, ignoring all the eyes on us. A warm glow suffused me and 
drenched me with unspoken delight. I was still no clearer as to what exactly was the nature of the light I brought to Madan's life or on what I shone it. But to hear him acknowledge it with such patent sincerity and vehemence was a deeply emotional experience for me. It changed nothing, lessened or increased nothing. But it was just so nice to know.